Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, welcome again, everybody. Good to see you. Hey, can we honor the band for leading us to worship? You say thank you, Keith and Lens. Oh my gosh. And Amy, man, wow, 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 wow. Thank you, guys. That was really great, and um, thanks for throwing me under the bus. I need new friends. I need new friends. Thanks a bunch. Thanks a bunch. Well, again, we're glad that you're here. Glad for those of you who joined us online. Maybe you clicked to start after we started the service. If you're new, my name's Trevor. We're glad that you've joined us online as well. Can we have to everybody who's worshiping with us online? Glad that you're here with us as well. Hey, um, so Keith is right. We're changing up how we're doing Dollar Club a little bit. We're putting all those stories online about once a quarter. We'll get, give an update to everybody how much we've given to what's going on uh, with Dollar Club. And you can find the recap story of who we blessed every single week. And if you're new to us, what we do, again, we take the total number of attendance across Community of Hope of all of our campuses. We find that number, and then we give that amount in dollars to somebody who needs, uh, who has a need and who is nominated through the dollar couple application. It's a fantastic thing. I just have one quick thing to tell everybody about this week. I know we're saying putting the stories online, but this week was too good not to share. Can I just tell everybody how we bless somebody this week? There's, um, uh, real quickly, somebody had, uh, there's a local firefighter in an area who got in a horrible accident and is having to have a lot of surgeries and a lot of rehab and needs to learn how to walk again. And to do the therapy to learn how to walk again is costly. They're thinking they're going to have to take out a second mortgage on their home. Uh, but because of somebody nominating them through Dollar Club, we're saying, hey, instead of taking out a second mortgage, here's some help from a local church in the name of Jesus so you can pay for your therapy to learn how to walk again. Isn't that awesome? That's great. And then here, here's what else is really, really cool, too. Um, another, there's a family at CUH Espanol who just came over from Venezuela and just the the tragedy, the geopolitical tragedy that's happening in Venezuela. It's very, very difficult, very, very painful. They migrated to the United States a year ago, uh, found CUH Espanol, has joined the church, found Christ, found faith, and they had a tragic death in their family, and they have no way to pay for any funeral costs whatsoever. An anonymous family in our church has stepped up to the plate in the name of the Dollar Club to pay for all of those expenses. Isn't that fantastic? That's amazing. So... Man, so this is just ways where we are learning how to be uh, the hands and feet of Jesus in a really practical way, and you guys make that possible. This is some of the good that God is doing through our church in this area. It's a great, great thing. So just want to give you guys an update on that. Go check out that website every week to read about what's going on. Uh, it's really great. Okay, so if you haven't already, go ahead and take out your sermon notes from your Connect folder that you're handed on your way in. We're going to jump to our message. We're in week three of our new series we're calling Best Year Yet. Everyone say that with me. Best year yet. And here's what we're talking about. We're talking about how to focus on what's most important in your life and how to grow on what's most important in your life so that you could have perhaps maybe the best year yet. And when you put the emphasis on the right things, when you focus on what's most important, it brings you the most satisfaction in life. Um, our theme verse for this series comes from, uh, from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. We're going to put it on the screen. It's on your notes. Let's read it out loud all together. And for those of you who are streaming, if you're sitting at Starbucks, you get to read it out loud too. Okay. Ready? Go. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Uh, last week, we talked about 
let me rewind just a second. So what Peter does after this theme verse about giving, God has given us everything we need for a godly life, Peter goes on to give a list of virtues that we should add to our life, that we should be working on to have an increasing measure in our life. And if we have this list of characteristics, this list of qualities, this list of virtues um, that great things happen not only in our faith, our faith is productive and fruitful, but it will bless your life and the life of all those around you. So he starts with this list of characteristics last week with faith. Now, um, I'm not sure if you were here last week, but Pastor Dale preached a great message last week on faith. It wasn't half bad at the East Campus last last week too. And um, we talked about how, man, you know, if you want to grow your faith this year, faith, um, it's not it's not like you, it needs to be void of doubt. In fact, faith is not a 100% certainty. Faith isn't a blind leap. And if you have doubts, that's good. If you lean into your doubts, it can actually grow your faith. So a lot of you just needed permission to be here last week that, hey, you can follow Jesus with a growing faith, even if you still have doubts. You don't have to check your brain at the door. If you lean in the right way, your questions and your uncertainty can actually grow your faith. And faith isn't 100% certainty, and it's never going to be that, but faith is trust. If you're growing in your trust of who God is in Christ and what he promises to do, your faith is actually growing too. You can. This church is a safe church to where you can ask questions, where you can process what you believe, where you can work through all that stuff. You can believe, or you, excuse me, you can belong even before you believe here at this church. It's a safe place to do that. So I personally found that really helpful. I know a lot of people who struggle with questions and they feel guilty about having questions. You don't need to feel guilty about that. That's okay. And it's a sign actually of a growing faith. I found it very helpful. And so this week, what Paul says is from faith, the next quality he talks about is actually goodness. So if you're taking notes, that's the title of today's message is goodness. So let's talk about goodness for the rest of our time today. When you're considering goodness, um, it's actually really hard to define. Like if you look up the word goodness in a dictionary, do you know what it says? The quality of being good. I mean, it's a little bit of a nebulous concept. What is good or goodness? Good can be a noun. Good can be an adjective. Good can be an adverb. Um, It's hard to follow along. There are many different ways our culture uses the word good. For instance, like um, if you're rating a restaurant online that you go to, you say, it was good, but not great, right? Or some people say, how are you? I'm good. You just say it's a knee-jerk reaction. Um, If for teachers, any teachers here in the room? Okay, so when you're grading papers, if something is good, it's just a little bit better than fair, right? Um, field goals. So like, there's like grading systems. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's up high. Sometimes it's a middle. Field goals are either good or not good. Sometimes it's binary or not. It's a little confusing. In fact, companies use the word good in a lot of their slogans. So I'm going to say a slogan. I want you to tell me if you know the company. For instance, let's hear this. Mm-mm, good. Campbell's, that's right. Like a good neighbor. Right. You're in good hands with. Right. Good to the last drop. Maxwell House, Folgers, get right, yeah. All right. Finger licking good. KFC. Tastes so good, cats ask for it by name. Meow mix. All the cat people just identified themselves in the room. And here's the best one on the list. Food is essential to life. Therefore, make it good. Do you know? 
This is the slogan of Chick-fil-A, Jesus chicken. Come on, everybody. Come on. Come on. Come on. And so like, can you see how this is used in a lot of different ways? Good can be, wow, good. And good can be, oh, it was just okay, good. Good can mean wonderful, and good can mean bland vanilla. Good is used in all sorts of different ways, and it's confusing because this word has been watered down in our culture. It's almost a throwaway word. I have a friend of mine, for years, he made the commitment that if somebody asked him how he was doing, you know how we said a moment ago, knee-jerk reactions, good. He refused to quit saying that because he thought the word has lost meaning altogether. Think about it. If somebody asks you this week and say, how are you? Say another word other than good. Excellent. Excellent. Thank, not now, Larry, okay? <laughs> so, this word, yeah, he's been a, he got called out in class. Okay. So, yeah. So, you know, it, this word has lost a little bit of its meaning in our culture. And all the stuff we just talked about is not what Peter talked about in Second Peter. It's something that's so much more than that. So our verse for today, we're going to go back to where we were last week. Verse 5. And we're just going to add the very next trait onto his list. So 2 Peter 1, verse 5. And he says this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you send the Holy Spirit to come be our teacher today? Uh, Lord, we want to know what it is um, that you inspired in Peter to write that we need to add goodness to our faith. Teach us, Lord, and inspire us and compel us. We just don't want to leave here with information. We want to leave here with transformation. And that only happens by the power of your Spirit. So we know you're here. Uh, We don't need to invite you to be here. You already are but we invite you to come bring transformation inside of us. Lord, you are most welcome to do that. We ask you to, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right, so what in the world is goodness? Surely it's more, um, it's more than soup and insurance and cat food. What is, uh, what is goodness and what does it mean? Well, sometimes it's better to see an example of something than to just be told what it is. Um, we can see here that the term is already used. Um, you might have noticed it. It's already in our memory verse. So let's go back to 2 Peter 1.3 as a starting place to explore what in the world is goodness. So Peter says again, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him, check this out, who called us by his own glory and goodness. His own glory and goodness. If you're taking notes, underline those two words, glory and goodness. What the Apostle Peter is doing here when he wrote this right before he died in Rome, uh, he's giving a shout out. He's giving a call back to one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible that talks about the glory and goodness of God. If you rewind all the way in the story of Israel, all the way back to Egypt, all the way back to the book of Exodus, all the way back to Moses, 
uh, when he has led the people out of Israel, Moses is having encounters with God and God is giving him the Ten Commandments and God is giving him the law and he's having these unbelievable encounters with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses makes a huge claim and a huge ask of God as he's getting to know him intimately and relationally as a friend. In Exodus 33, verses 18 and 19, Moses said this to the God of the Bible. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Moses was like asking, I want to see all the fireworks. I want to see it all, God. I want you to bring shock and awe to my mind and my heart. I want to see your glory. And this is how God responds. The Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. What do you know? It turns out all the fireworks with the glory of God is actually found in how good he actually is. So later on, the very next chapter, when uh, God obliges to Moses and says, I will show you my glory, but if I showed you my face, it's too much for you to take and you would die. You just short circuit and it'll be over. And I don't want you to die. I don't want to overwhelm you. So I'll let you see my back. And that's as much as you can possibly take of my glory. And so the Lord appears to Moses and names himself in Moses' presence. It's like he's defining what is goodness in his glory to Moses. And this is what he said in Exodus 34, just a few verses later. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 in the first half. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. If somebody's ever told you that the God of the Old Testament is not love and different than Jesus, you need to read more because he is love from front to start. See, just as water is wet and fire is hot, God is good. God, in the beginning of the world, when he created everything, when he created the earth, when he created all living life, all plant life and animal life and created human beings, what did he say? He created and said it was very good. See, God is good and God does good, not only in creation, but we sang in here earlier today, the scripture says that the enemy, what spiritual forces of darkness mean for, mean for evil in our lives and in this world, what they mean for evil, God works for good. One of the descendants of Jacob in the book of Genesis when he finally reconciled with his brothers after a horrible story of tragedy and, and triumph and reconciliation, it's Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Um, when he had done all of that, at the end of it, he looked at his brothers and said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Because God is good and God does good. And he works for good. And then later on in the scriptures and the story of the Bible, the story of God and his people, God in human flesh was revealed in his son, Jesus. And Jesus was profoundly good in his character and did good. Check this out in Acts when his first followers are describing him to others. They said, you know what happened throughout the providence of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And the greatest act of goodness ever in the history of the world is found in the scars in the hands of Jesus Christ. 
where he died on the cross for the sins of the world, where a thoroughly, completely, fully saturated, good person died for sinful people like me and you who are guilty of not good things, freely, without price, just because of love. This is a God who is good and does good. And this is why we sing songs to him. Like we say that you are good, that you are a good, good father. We sing that your goodness is running after me. We sing about goodness and we know what goodness is because of how God has revealed himself to us. How he loves people and takes care of people and forgives people and redeems people and goes after people, and goes after people who are the most marginalized, the weakest in society, and the poor. God goes after those people. Why? Because he is good. This is what goodness is really defined as. Now, here's the thing. Uh, This is what it is, but more than that, goodness really matters. It matters. Because part of how God wants to do his work in the world is he expects his followers to reflect this goodness towards humanity in the world and in their lives to take care care of the poor, the weak, the fatherless and motherless and the marginalized. This is why Christ followers are called to do these things because God is good. We're going to go and do good as well. It's not only how God wants to achieve his work in the world. It's also how God wants to get the attention of the world is through the goodness of those who are called by his name. And the first letter that Peter wrote So we're in 2 Peter. In the first letter that he wrote to the general church, Peter said this. Check this out. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Man, goodness really matters. It really matters. Um, This weekend is... Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, a national holiday honoring the memory and the birthday of Dr. King, which was January 15th. And we all know that Dr. King was the chief spokesman for nonviolent activism in the civil rights movement, which successfully protested racial discrimination of federal and state laws. And in the 11-year period uh, between 1957 and 1968, Dr. King traveled over 6 million miles and spoke over 2,500 times, appearing wherever there was injustice and protest in action. And the campaign for a federal holiday in Dr. King's honor uh, began soon after his assassination in 1968, and then President Ronald Reagan signed the holiday into law in 1983, um, and it began to be observed three years later. This has been a thing my whole life. Maybe not for your whole life, but my whole life, we have always honored um, Dr. King and his legacy. Now, Dr. King was an ordinary man and an imperfect man, just like me, just like you, um, who allowed his life to be influenced and filled by a good, good God. Now, we as a country, check this out, follow me here. We as a country, not just followers of Jesus, he was a Baptist preacher, not just followers of Jesus honor his legacy. Almost everyone in our nation honors this man's legacy because of the goodness that he achieved with his life. 
where he confronted in our nation the sin of racism and called it out in love in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. Come on. Come on. This is important. The, he lived what the Apostle Peter said. Even if people who don't follow me will accuse you of doing good, even if people who don't follow me don't believe in Jesus and don't believe any of this stuff, they will look at your life and look at your good deeds and praise the God of heaven. This is what our nation does with Dr. King. Many people who reject Jesus honor this man because of goodness. Guys, goodness matters because goodness glorifies God. Goodness glorifies Jesus. Goodness is how God gets his work done in the world through us. And goodness is how God gets the attention of the world and wins people's hearts to himself. Like, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing that you got going on, but I see what you're doing and I'm compelled by it. Some people don't follow Jesus because they have intellectual barriers. Some people don't follow Jesus because they have an experiential barrier. And some people don't follow Jesus because they have an example barrier. They've never seen anybody reflect the goodness of Jesus. And there are people in your life and in my life, if you're a follower of Jesus, there are people who are waiting for you to reflect the goodness of God that will warm their hearts to Christ and say, I don't know what you have, but I want whatever it is. Goodness matters. In fact, Dr. King said this. I love this quote of his I found this week. He wrote, there is within human nature an amazing potential for goodness. Guys, there is an amazing capacity for goodness in you. In you. There is an amazing capacity for goodness. But we got to get a couple things right to understand this. Christians have mixed this up for a long time. We take our capacity for goodness, and it gets a little garbled up in the way. So let's clear up one misperception first before we learn how can we grow in goodness in 2020. Many people think goodness is moralism. Goodness is moralism. Or they think it is, but it's not. So goodness is not moralism. But many people think of goodness, especially with organized religion. And um, if you don't like organized religion, good. We're not so organized around here, so that's good. Um, they think of scales. So I have a green plate here. It might look a little yellow on the lights, but it's the greenest plate I had at home. And I have a red... I have a red plate. I stole them from my kids. They had to eat off the floor today, and they don't know why. <laughs> and pretend these are scales. And many people think, oh, to grow in goodness, like Peter's talking about, is to be a good person. So to make sure that we load up good deeds and to go light on bad deeds, and if your goodness outweighs your badness, forgive my grammar, if your goodness outweighs any bad things or bad deeds that you may have. I have a master's degree. Um, um, if, if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you're a good person. And this is what religion teaches us to just be a good person, do more good things than bad things. And that's what God wants. You ever thought that before? Ever heard that before? Of course you have. Um, I remember hearing about a story of a Sunday school teacher in a church, and he asked his kids who were all about, you know, maybe like second or third grade, he said, okay, kids, what do I have to do to get into heaven? Kids, um, what if I uh, had a garage sale and sold a lot of the things that I had, and I took the money and I gave it to poor people? Would that get me into heaven? All the kids went, no. Okay, kids, well, if... 
I went to the church and cleaned the church every single day and served God and helped out and I cut the grass and I served coffee. I helped park people every single week and I was at the church all the time. Would that get me into heaven? No. I don't know what your volunteer team leader has told you, but no, that won't get you into heaven. And okay, kids, well, what if I handed out candy to my children? I was loving to my children. I love my wife and I was a good person. Would that get me into heaven? No. Well, what would get me into heaven then? Well, then a third grader stood up at the back and said, you have to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay, so, right. So, all joking aside, though, I mean, but people do this. They do this. Let the good outweigh the bad. And maybe this is what goodness is like. It's being a moral person. It's moralism. You know what the problem is with the scale metaphor that people come up with? You know what the problem is with this? It's not in the Bible. Nowhere does it say if you have 51% or more good deeds to 49% or less bad deeds, you get into heaven. In fact, it doesn't say that at all. You know what the Bible does say? The Bible says that, oh, if you have more good deeds than bad deeds, the Bible says there are no good people. The Bible says all have sinned and run away. The Bible says and talks about, and specifically in the book of Isaiah, how all of our good deeds that we think are so awesome, actually in the sight of a holy God, they're like filthy rags. This is what the scripture says. And this whole thing is complicated even more by the fact that, well, good people go to heaven. Well, geez, well, Jesus invited a lot of bad people to go to heaven. And he broke you. You know what the truth is, what the scripture teaches? It doesn't teach that good people go to heaven. The scripture teaches that forgiven people go to heaven. Goodness is not moralism. The Apostle Paul, who was all about being a good person, being a Pharisee and getting it perfectly right, he learned, and he wrote about this in the book of Philippians, he said, I have considered all garbage, all, tr- all this trying to be righteous by works of the law, by trying to be a good person, I've given up on all of it so that I might have a righteousness that comes by faith in Christ alone. Man. Forgiven people go to heaven, and they go to heaven by faith in the one who died on the cross for their sins. That's why Peter puts faith first in his list before goodness. You don't add faith to goodness. You add goodness to faith. So it's not moralism. So if that's not what it, it if, if it's not moralism, then what is? What is goodness? Well, guys, goodness is a fruit. It's a fruit. You mean like bananas and apples and grapes and Fruit Loops and Fruity Pebbles? Yeah, it's a fruit. It's a fruit. Let me show you what I mean. We're going to show Luke 6 on screen. This is a teaching of Jesus here. And he gives a word picture for us that's really helpful. Jesus um, said here, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. See, what he's trying to tell us, like, people are like trees, and that what comes out of us reveals actually what's inside of us. 
And so we should be focusing on not trying to be a good person, do good things, but we should be focusing on what's inside of you. Because what's inside of you is what comes out of you. And it's not just what's inside of you. It's who is dwelling within you is the key. Um, I've been here for about five and a half years uh, serving Pastor Dale and serving Community of Hope as one of the pastors here. And I, it's just awesome. I'm living the dream. I love it here. And by um, a, a huge part of my job is to serve Pastor Dale. And so he and I spend a lot of time together. We have logged thousands of miles on the road together. We spend, it's a good thing we like each other because otherwise that'd be bad. And so we've spent a lot of time together. You know what happens when you spend a lot of time with a friend of yours? Your friend ends up rubbing off on you a little bit and you end up rubbing off on them a little bit. You end up becoming who you hang out with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so Dale and I, I've, learned, I've observed over the past couple of years that I'll say and do things like, ooh, that was Dale. And he'll say and do things like, that was me. So here's some stuff I've noticed that have rubbed off um, between me and Dale. I've noticed that for me, I now drink soda water with limes because of Dale. Um, I now understand that there is more to dessert than just chocolate. Who knew? Um, rather, a lemon loaf is actually pretty, refresh, pretty refreshing. Um, I say the word navigate a lot. And um, Dale, honestly, has made me a far braver person. And he's really rubbed off me in that way in a fantastic way. Now, how have I rubbed off on Dale? Well, Dale has exponentially more fist pounds and high fives in his life. Um, Dale has had a high increase in the word boom. <laughs> um, we have both doubled down on our mutual love for chocolate chip cookies. And uh, Dale's iPhone, iPad, and MacBook all work a lot better together now, now that I'm on the team. My job description is half associate pastor, half geek squad. That's my, that's my role here. Now, not everything, not everything has rubbed off. Like, uh, you know, I'm not a Gators fan. And Dale still thinks the WWE is stupid. You know, um, I, uh, my ears have not gotten bigger. And... Just, and hold, just chill. Just, just simmer down now. Simmer down now. All right? Calm down. All right? So I, have, I don't have that, and Dale hasn't gotten shorter and hairier. You know? I mean, but it still shows if you spend time with people, they rub off on you. In fact, have you ever heard the saying before that you can predict who you'll become in five years depending on what you're reading and who you're hanging out with? It's true. It's a true principle. If you want to grow in goodness, it's a fruit because of who's dwelling within you. If you develop your friendship with Jesus and you spend time reading the book that he inspired by his spirit through human authors, I'll tell you who you'll become more like in five years because the God who is good revealed in sin, Jesus will rub off on you on the inside. So if you want to grow in goodness in 2020, and you want to grow in the fruit of goodness, um, there's many different ways to do that and to develop yourself and form yourself spiritually that way. But I'm going I'm to commend to you an exercise that has helped me the most uh, refine my character and grow in goodness in my life. Um, and we're going to put it on the screen. Um, it's an old ancient prayer called the prayer of examine. Examine. And uh, there's a book that kind of goes over this. There's, it's been talked about forever, but the really helpful way to talk about it is from a book called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People by Pete Grieg. And um, he gives four words for how to practice this. If you want to grow in goodness and examine your life, 
um, it's very helpful. It's very helpful for me. And so um, just like how, even though the word is different, it's not misspelled. That's what the term is called for the prayer of examine. It sounds like how to examine fruit in the same way. Like you have to check the fruit at the grocery store before you buy it and make sure it's not bruised, make sure it's ripe. I don't know how people check pineapples, but they do. You know, Before you do that and you have to examine that fruit, you could use this to examine in a different way the fruit of goodness in your life. And so here's what I do. Um, not every night. I try to most nights is I get, um, I get on my bed side next to my bed before, um, before I crawl in and I kneel down and you know, I do one knee or two. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And I go through this four word process in my mind. And here's what you do. You first replay the day that you've just ended. Not your whole life, just, just that day. And you invite God to examine your life with you together. If you're just examining your own life, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go way too easy on yourself or you're going to go way too hard on yourself. I know I'm a, I'm a habitual guilt tripper person on myself, so I need to learn how to be graceful to myself like Christ is graceful to me. And so you invite God to, Lord, help me examine my life and replay the whole day. And together with God, think about things. And first start with rejoicing over what you did good, where there was good fruit, where goodness came out of you because of what's inside you. Maybe it was a kind word you said. Maybe it's how you serve somebody else or put somebody else first. Maybe it's how you love somebody or you hug somebody or gave yourself in service to one another. Or maybe it's where you had self-control and you didn't say something that you wanted to, but you held on to it. And rejoice that, celebrate and say, God, thank you for helping me be good. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And after you've rejoiced over what you did good, take a few minutes to repent of where there was some bad fruit in your life, of where there was a good opportunity and you passed on it and you missed it. Or maybe when it's just flat out bad fruit that's coming out of your life because of bad things that are in your heart and deal with that with God. And say, you apologize. Say, God, I apologize for these things that I said or did or didn't do. It's because of what's in my heart. God, I repent. Would you help change my heart? Take a few moments to do that. And then reboot. And start afresh. Say, God, thank you for today. Give me grace for tomorrow. And grow the fruit of goodness in me tomorrow. If you do that simple thing, it's not a 20-minute thing. It's like a three or four-minute thing. If you can do that bit by bit, day by day, degree by degree, the spirit of Jesus in you will grow you in goodness. So guys, this year in 2020, God wants to grow you in goodness. Will you let him do it? Let's pray. God, you are good. We know what good is because we look at you and we look at the scars in your hands and we worship you because of it. I worship you that you are the God of kindness, the God of generosity, the God of grace, the God of love, the God of mercy, because you are these things. You are good. And we long to have your goodness rub off on us so that we would be good by your spirit. Transform us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said.
Amen. Friends, we have a prayer team here on the sides for anybody who wants prayer. Um, feel free to come up, get prayer, seek God. We have a moment to reflect on before we close. Let's seek God. And uh, before we have our closing word here, um, specifically, I just sense this in the room. For any of you who are struggling to grow in goodness in a particular area of your life, um, that you want some people to pray for you for, to give you some encouragement, I would encourage you, come this way. Come talk to our prayer teams. Let them pray over a specific area of your life before you go that way. If you need that and that's you, come get prayer from loving friends with listening ears. But otherwise, would you prepare your hearts to receive this benediction? Now may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Friends, go in God's goodness. We'll see you next week.